Ladies and gentlemen, you are tuned into another episode of the Paul Leslie Hour. And now your host, Paul Leslie. Well, Susie Ragsdale is with us. She has the voice. She has the songs. I've been a fan of yours since I heard you on the Cody program on WSM. This was quite a few years back, but you have quite a history in music. You've done backup vocals for everyone from Loretta Lynn to Hank Williams Jr. You've written for people like Miranda Lambert and Dierks Bentley. And I know you've been recording and, and working for a long time, but now you have this new EP, Ghost Town, which seems very appropriate for the days that we're in. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And you're right. Um, I had written the Ghost Town song a couple of years ago, but when we chose the six songs for this EP and we're deciding on a, on a title cut, it just fit because Nashville looks like a ghost town and I'm sure everywhere else in the world too. And we're used to seeing 200,000 people coming down for a party in downtown Nashville and Broadway. And now there's just like two or three tumbleweeds floating around with their <laughs> masks on. Or <laughs> so for a songwriter like yourself to be in such a, an atypical year, I think that's an understatement. Is this a, a time where it's easy to write? Is it harder to write? What's, what's it like for you? Um, well, I've been writing pretty much all my, all my life since I was maybe eight years old. But I've never been one of these writers that, like a lot of these amazing writers around here, they'll, they'll go every day, Monday through Friday at least, meet up with somebody at 10 a.m., have a song by 3 p.m., or maybe a two day, right. Whatever. And they, they, they crank them out and they're great. You know, like Mark D Sanders or Craig Wiseman or whoever that just, that's their thing. They just write songs all the time, but I've always just written sort of when I get struck with an inspiration and it's something that I want to say and I want to sing. And I love it when that can translate to someone else recording it to, to cover my song and, you know, have someone else sing it. That's, wonderful but um so my experience with the pandemic has fortunately for me not been a real different thing from usual i live alone at my house with my dogs and cats and chickens and i write whenever i feel like it and every now and then get a co-writer and uh otherwise it's like you know that's why one of the reasons why there's so such a long time between releases of of albums Hmm. Well, the first song on this EP, I, I've listened to this one a few times, and I'm sure there's a story here behind Bonfire. Oh, yeah. I know every song has a story. And another really cool thing about Nashville is the, the songwriter rounds and, and you go and sit and listen to maybe four, usually it's four, different writers trade off songs, and they'll always tell the story behind the song before they do it. And usually it's, you know, sometimes it's been a big, huge hit, but not for the writer, for some other artist that kind of, <clears throat> so that's a wonderful thing. The bonfire story is just that I was um, one new year, like in a January, I was, I was uh, doing the 
resolution thing, cleaning out my closets and, and making, you know, like I'm going to, everything is going to be just perfectly feng shui and I'm going to be cleansed, juice fasted and skinny and perfect and, you know, not drink too much wine and all that stuff. And so I started this song with that. It's like, what are you doing all this stuff when you, when you clean out your closets and drawers and everything? Well, I decided I would build a big bonfire in my front yard. I didn't actually do that, but now I do have a, a big bonfire situation in my new property and I'm having a big bonfire EP release party next Sunday. So. All right. What do you think was the greatest lesson for you in terms of learning how to write songs? Um, there, there have been several. Uh, now I grew up listening to and dissecting songs from the time I can remember with my father being a songwriter. And then I got really into Carol King and James Taylor and the Beatles and all the records that my parents had that I, you know, Stevie wonder. And um, when I really got schooled was when I started listening to Guy Clark, Towns Van Zandt, uh, even Elvis Costello, um, Carol King, for sure. I just, uh, the biggest lesson would have been to be concise and to be more and more clear and more and more um, sure of what you're saying, you know, like less is more kind of a thing. And to have a real point. I know that you uh, had some experience uh, going on the road with Guy Clark. Yeah. I'm hoping you can tell us. Maybe you have a story from that time. Oh, goodness. Probably a dozen. I started uh, singing a lot of backgrounds and, and demos as a lead singer for EMI Music Publishing when I was about 20. <clears throat> and Guy and my ex-husband, Verlin Thompson, and also Daryl Scott, they're all EMI published writers they were at the time. And um, so I, I started seeing all, a lot of guys' records. And because Verla and I were kind of a package deal and I could sing harmony with Guy and I knew all his stuff, he's like, yeah, Verlin, Verlin's Guy's right-hand man, you know. He's like, yeah, Verlin, bring Susie along and y'all can share a hotel room and she can play accordion and sing harmony and we had a lot of fun uh, doing festivals like the Strawberry Festival up at Yosemite or just all kinds of different shows around the Southeast. Whenever it made sense to, to bring me and Verlin with him, Guy would, would do that. And I got to be really good friends with him and his wife, Susanna, and hang out with both of them. So it's funny stories. I mean, I don't know. There's... Maybe stuff I shouldn't tell. <laughs> I don't know. So tell us a little more about your decision to release this EP. You know, it's a very interesting time because people aren't traveling around. People aren't going to shows in 2020. Not so much. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, people have a lot of time to listen. So <laughs> was yeah. there any kind of apprehension about releasing it this year <clears throat> well for me personally the, the fear factor is just non-existent because 
I haven't really had enough success to feel that I need to worry about anything. It's like, I'm going to do it. You're going to either hear it or not. And it is what it is. And I don't need to, um, fortunately, I don't need to depend on, on a big financial success, Mm -hmm. you know, for anything. I'm just, I'm doing it. And the reason I did this at this time is because the one song that got it all sparked, my dad was really interested in the Wildflowers song, which was our first single. And I wrote Wildflowers with my producer, Sam Frank, who lives in London. And he just sent me the tracks from London and I wrote the lyrics and we talked about it and finished it up. And, and my dad said, let's do something with this. Let's really get behind this and make something happen. And so Sam was coming home from New Zealand. He had an extra month that he could spend in Nashville. So he came over and lived at my house for five weeks. And we got Dan Dugmore, Tammy Rogers, Allison Presswood, Pat McGrath, Odessa Settles and her brother, Calvin, all these incredible musicians were able to come and lend themselves themselves and their talents to this EP. And we made, recorded the other five songs. Well, during that time, the pandemic happened and he had to leave or else we might have 12 songs, you know, (laughs) but he had to go back to London to his family and he caught the last flight out that Nashville would allow to go to London on March 16th. And so it was just, the time was right. You know, there was enough uh, downtime for all the other people involved, like to mix and to master and to, to get it all finally pushed through that it made sense. And then my little PR team of people trying to promote and get some, some recognition for the record. Let's do it right now because Everybody is home writing songs and putting out records right now because they're all stuck at home and there's going to be so much competition. You need to get it out as soon as you can. So I don't know. Hmm. I don't know if that's true or not. What would you say your greatest well of inspiration is? Oh, wow. That's a big question. If there has to be just one answer, it would be clarity and awareness. Hmm. To be, you know, to have the awareness and the presence of mind to recognize when something's not only uh, important to say or reasonably, you know, relevant and also entertaining and, and can be either fun or moving or emotionally engaging in some way. I want to be honest and I want to tell my truth and I love songs that aren't necessarily the writer's personal truth, but I'm not uh, fortunate enough to be able to write those. Everything I write is kind of like the real deal. So my, my big inspiration is having the clarity, awareness and energy to say it in a way that I think uh, other people will get it. Hmm. Now, you mentioned your father earlier, and for those of the, of the people out there that are viewing who aren't uh, aware of who he is, he's known to the world as Ray Stevens. Yeah. And I'm hoping you can tell us, who is the real Ray Stevens? Do we know him? Well, uh, you know, I've, I've grown up like a lot of people 
I, I, I knew his name when I was, you know, six years old. So tell and what us. is he now? Twenty nine? <laughs> yeah, they're about <laughs> no, I mean what what you see is what you get. He really is what you see. He's funny and he's brilliant. He's a he's a what some people don't know from just listening to his comedy classics. They may not know that he's an incredible musician, arranger, producer, uh, you know, writer. His singing voice is off the charts. Great. It's how I learned how to sing. And um, he's got that funny side, which is absolutely honest and true. And then also he's very serious and, and businessman. You know, he's made a lot of uh, smart career choices with, his business deals and real estate and records and publishing and producing and all of that. So he's kind of like a Jekyll Hyde a little bit, but all just all a good guy. Hmm. You were just mentioning there about the, the fact that he's smart and the business dealings thing. Well, it was just the other day, this guy called me for up from up there in, in Nashville. And he was telling me, he said, listen, I don't know what it is about this town, but talent isn't enough. Um, and he was telling me that he heard this guy singing while he was pumping his gas. And he said, the guy, like, I, I couldn't believe how good this guy sounded. Yeah. And he was, he, I think he was calling me more than anything for a pep talk. Cause he said, man, I, I just, I wonder like, how am I going to make it? I'm curious, since you've been in Tennessee, in Nashville, in the Nashville area, why do some people make it and some people don't in the music business? Uh, I think it's probably um, a big, a big part perseverance and not going away. And another large part of luck as far as the timing and the people you know and the people that you are able to get your stuff too, you know, because there are some wonderful, talented, beautiful artists, singers, writers who you'll never hear of unless you're searching for them. So if you're in Nashville, you can go out to any club and walk in and hear something brilliant like that guy at the gas station. Right. And nobody in the else in the world is probably going to know about them unless they happen to be singing in front of, a producer or, or, you know, record label person or someone who has the power to get it out there. Um, I guess people like Taylor Swift had their parents working while she was in. She's great. You know, there's a lot of other great people too that didn't have her opportunities. I had the opportunity of uh, growing up as Ray Stevens' daughter and try as he might, there was nothing he could do to, make me fit the mold for a Nashville record deal back in the eighties when I was, you know, just becoming an adult because I just wasn't country enough. And they really wanted the female Garth Brooks or whatever. I, I don't know what they wanted, but I made a lot of good records with some cool people. John Hyatt, Norbert Putnam produced some things trying to get me a record deal and CBS records and others said, it's really cool, but it's just not country enough. It's not Nashville enough. So here I am in my 50s and still doing it independently. And I would call it a successful career, but hmm. still nobody knows who the hell I am. 
Well, I know who you are. Yay! <laughs> well, you know, I I think uh, when you have a record like this, an EP like Ghost Town, you know, it, it's one of these things. It's so hard to get on the radio, especially on FM radio in this day and time, to the point where there are some great, great records that people don't, they don't even try. It's like, because, you know, but, but you can still make a connection with somebody on a person to person. So for anybody who listens to ghost town, which they should definitely check it out. What do you hope that they get from that experience of listening? I would hope that it could touch their heart, make them smile. Some, some of it might make them dance, uh, make them think a little bit, uh, Listening to the great musicians, you know, I would hope that they would um, look back and see the other five records I've made and, you know, oh, wow, she, you know, that, that was a great song on that record back in 1993 or 95 or 98 or whatever. Um, I just would like to, I'd like to entertain people and have them enjoy it and, and be happy that they, spent their time listening to what I had to say. Hmm. In on this show, I always like to give the guest the stage at the end. So this isn't limited in any way to music. It's not limited to the entertainment business. Actually, I, I know I should add for anyone watching that you're not that far from an actual stage right now, a physical stage. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're going to go on. For the first time since the pandemic, my dad's doing a show tonight. How cool. Cabaret, yeah. So I'll give you the stage here. And again, it's not limited to music. What would you say to anybody who is tuned in? Everything is beautiful in its own way. Like a starry summer's night or snow-covered winter's day. That song of my dad's is like perfect for this day and time and every day and time. And I think that uh, with all of the uh, current BS going on with race and violence and all that, everything is beautiful. You made me misty eyed there. Oh, you did. I, I know. Huh? What's I can that? say more of it if you want. <laughs> I can drag, drag my dad in here and get him to do it with me, but he's probably getting ready for the stage. <laughs> I've always loved that song. It's 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 one of these songs you just you start to listen to it and you're 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 right there. You're right there in it and 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 realizing all the things that are beautiful that you overlook. You know the the best verse in that song that's always relevant, and it was in 1970 when he wrote it, and it is now. Sorry about my computer. No problem. <laughs> we shouldn't care about the length of his hair or the color of his skin. Don't worry about what shows from without. But it's the love that lives within. Yeah, we got to get it all together now, and everything's gonna work out fine. Just take a little time to look on the good side and straighten it out in your mind. 
Everything's beautiful. They didn't have the guts to sing with you. <laughs> oh, you should have. <laughs> but that 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 made my day. You singing there. You oh. you sound great, even a cappella. Oh, thank you so much. I love singing. I really love singing harmony too. I've gotten to do a duet of that song with my dad a, a few times on stages, and it's been really fun. Well, I really appreciate you talking to me. I appreciate right. you talking to me. Absolutely. I should tell you before we go. I've got. Uh, I've got an interview coming up with Buddy. Buddy Monluck? Uh, no, well, there's Buddy Monluck, but Buddy Kalb. Oh, Buddy Kalb. Oh, cool. He's probably in the next office. <laughs> Tell him I said hello. <laughs> I will. He's such a good writer and such a, a strong rock of a friend and a good guy. I love Buddy Kalb. It'll be fun. Yay. All right. Well, until next time. If there's anything else you need or want from me, you can email me anytime and stay in touch. All right. Likewise. I'm always here. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Paul Leslie Hour. Hosted, written, and produced by Paul Leslie. Intro theme song, Alexander's Ragtime Band, written by Irving Berlin, performed by Dan Barrett. Outro scatting G-Things, improvised, performed, and produced by John Goodwin. Until next time. Goodbye.